RT8K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories. The government raises the response level for the mystery Wuhan respiratory illness to serious. The Tourism Board blames the New Year's Eve lucky draw fiasco on technical issues. And President Trump says the Iranian military commander killed by the US was planning a major attack. The government has launched a new plan to respond to a mysterious respiratory disease in the mainland city of Wuhan and classified the response level as serious. The three-tier response level, including alert, serious and emergency, is adopted based on the risk assessment of the impact of the new infectious disease on people's health. Speaking on an RTHK radio programme, the Food and Health Secretary, Sophia Chan, said two more people had fallen ill after returning from visits to Wuhan, raising the total number of cases here to seven. She said the government decided to step up its monitoring of the situation after a meeting with experts yesterday. The uh, Centre for Health Protection uh, is already uh, trying to um, increase vigilance in uh, not only the airport but also uh, all ports that uh, have people coming into Hong Kong. Uh, in all these ports, uh, there will be people, for example, monitoring uh, the uh, import people that have uh, that may have fever. So uh, the um, Centre for Health Protection is increasing their manpower to do this. Uh, as far as the uh, airport, Airport is concerned, they are also increasing the infrared uh, uh, detecting machine. The executive director of the Hong Kong Tourism Board, Dane Cheng, says the breakdown of its online New Year's Eve lucky draw could have been mitigated if the board had had more time to carry out proper tests before it went live. Speaking after a radio programme, Mr Cheng said an initial investigation shows that the online system couldn't cope with the volume of traffic at the time and had problems in sending through verification codes to the participants. He says the board will hire a third party to conduct a thorough review of the incident, including the tendering process through which an esports company won the bid to design the system. We have actually uh, been talking to our vendor in, in the last two days and there are two major findings. Uh, they are all related to technical. We wish, that in retrospect, we wish we had more time to prepare for this now, and then we can have let the vendor have more time to do their uh, test more thoroughly. President Trump has sought to justify the killing of Iran's top military commander, Qasem Soleimani, by saying he was plotting an imminent attack against U.S. targets. Mr. Trump said the U.S. had killed the number one terrorist in the world. Now we've ensured that his atrocities have been stopped for good. They are stopped for good. Uh, I don't know if you know what was happening, but he was planning a very major attack, and we got him. Iran has said it will retaliate. In a letter to the United Nations Security Council, its ambassador said that Tehran reserved the right to self-defense under international law. The U.S. Special Representative for Iran, Brian Hook, told the BBC the U.S. was justified in killing Qasem Soleimani. He has the blood of around 1,000 Americans on his hands. In Iraq alone, he killed 608 Americans and injured thousands. The last thing the United States is looking for is more conflict in the Middle East. But he had been escalating the situation by killing Americans. He ordered attacks against the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, and he was plotting to kill hundreds uh, more. So, look, any nation that takes its responsibility to protect its citizens seriously had to act decisively. Meanwhile, Iraqi state television says there's been another airstrike in the country 24 hours after the killing of General Soleimani.
It said the U.S. had targeted a convoy of an Iranian-backed Iraqi militia north of the capital, Baghdad. BBC's Richard Howells reports. Military sources in Iraq say this latest air attack, coming a day after the killing of Qasem Soleimani, killed at least six people and destroyed two vehicles. The Iranian-backed umbrella grouping the Popular Mobilization Forces confirmed the strike, but said it hit a medical convoy, not a military one. Washington hasn't commented on the incident yet, but it comes shortly after the State Department on Friday listed the Iranian-backed local militia Asaib al-Al-Haq as a foreign terrorist organization. At least seven people have died after a seven-storey building collapsed in southwest Cambodia. The block in the coastal town of Kep was under construction and an unknown number of workers remain trapped in the rubble. The authorities have detained a Cambodian couple who owned the building for questioning. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. The Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has announced he's calling up to 3,000 army reserves to tackle the bushfires burning out of control across the country. Just about half an hour ago, the Governor-General signed off on uh, the call-out of the Australian Defence Force Reserve to surge and bring every possible capability to bear by deploying Army Reserve Brigades to fire-affected communities across Australia. Mr Morrison said the compulsory call-up was the biggest in living memory. Other military resources are also being made available. Two more people have died in the fires on Kangaroo Island, a popular holiday resort off the coast of South Australia. Fire chiefs have warned that high winds and soaring temperatures could potentially push the fires into heavily populated areas today. At least 19 people have been killed in a prolonged attack on a village in central Nigeria. The country has been struggling with armed banditry, communal violence and a decade-long insurgency by the Islamist group Boko Haram. Here's the BBC's Ishak Khaled. The residents of the town of Tawari in central Nigeria say the attackers arrived on motorbikes, shooting people and setting dozens of homes on fire. A police spokesperson told the BBC the gunmen also burnt down two churches, a primary school and the palace of the traditional ruler of the community. Some of the victims were burnt beyond recognition or had their throats slit. Reports say the attack lasted for hours. The identity of the gunmen and their motive are not clear. French police say they've shot dead a man who stabbed a number of people in a park near Paris. One of those stabbed has died. The BBC's Risto Perker reports. The attack took place in Villejuif, south of the French capital, early in the afternoon. The armed man started assaulting people in a local park, seemingly at random. He killed one and injured at least two, one of them critically, before fleeing from the site. The police caught up with him in a nearby shopping centre. They say it was clear he was intent on continuing the attack there and officers opened fire, killing the man. There's been no word on the motive for the assault, but counter-terrorism prosecutors are assessing the case. A former Mexican security minister has pleaded not guilty in a New York court to accusations of taking bribes to allow the Sinaloa cartel to ship drugs into the US. More details from the BBC's Candace Piet. The arrest of Genaro Garcia Luna in December in Texas was a stunning development. He'd been considered the architect of Mexico's war on drug trafficking, but had lived in retirement in Florida. During his six years as Minister of Security, which ended in 2012, he'd overseen security operations against the cartels. Several leaders were extradited to the US, but a former cartel member testified that he'd twice met Mr Garcia Luna to hand over suitcases holding at least $6 million in bribes. 
An appeals court in California has ruled that two men who featured in a documentary alleging sexual abuse by the singer Michael Jackson can pursue legal claims against two of his companies. A lower court had dismissed lawsuits brought by Wade Robson and James Safechuk because California's statute of limitations had required that claims of childhood sexual assault be filed before an accuser's 26th birthday. But a new law came into effect on the 1st of January, extending it to 40. Lawyers for Jackson's estate said they were confident the lawsuits would be dismissed. A British employment tribunal has ruled that ethical veganism is a belief comparable to religion and therefore protected by law. The decision will protect vegans against discrimination in employment, education and the provision of goods and services. The case was brought by a man who says he was sacked by the League Against Cruel Sports for disclosing that it invested pension funds in companies that carried out tests on live animals. The BBC's Clive Coleman reports. Jordi Casamajana alleges that when he drew his boss's attention to the pension fund investments, they did nothing. So he told colleagues and was sacked as a result. He claims he was discriminated against on the basis of his vegan belief. Today, an employment tribunal has ruled for the first time that veganism is a philosophical belief akin to a religion and so protected in law. To qualify, it must be a genuinely held, serious belief, not an opinion, cover a substantial aspect of human life, be worthy of respect in a democratic society and not interfere with the rights of others. To sports now and in cricket, Manus Labuschagne reached a double century to inflict more pain on New Zealand in the third Sydney test. The rock-solid number three sweated on 199 for 20 minutes before he thick-edged Colin de Grandom through the vacant slips to the ropes to bring up his double ton. Labuschagne was finally caught and bowled by spinner Todd Astle on 215. Australia finished on 454 all-out. That's the news from RTHK. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. On this, our first show of the new year, we offer two musical themes of interest. First, a new selection of hot new tracks from a lot of places on the planet, and our hot new featured LP from Paris rapper Yoshi the Original. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian. We're still the belly button of the world. In fact, we'll be hearing the latest track from uh, Giovanotti, our Italian theme song player, a bit later in the show, in the second hour, I believe. We start off with Williams Brutus. He was born in Haiti, adopted and went to France with his new adopted family at the age of five. He's got quite a bit of a story. He returned for the first time to his native Haiti just uh, five years ago uh, to Lester. That's his birth uh, village where he discovered his origins, his history, his family. And uh, as his artiste's name, he took his original birth name, Williams Brutus. And he's just come up with a new hit after a debut EP in 2017. He's preparing a new album. And at the end of last year, he came out with this track in his native Haitian Creole. It's called Rete Avem. So music and text by Williams Brutus and voice. And accompanied by his band, guitar, keyboards, Thomas Broussard, drums, Ishmael Nobu, and on bass, Tio Rajwana. 
Let's have a listen to Williams Brutus and Haitian Creole track Rete Avem. Yeah. 